Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey listeners, and welcome to this super power-packed episode of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm Patch, and with me, ready to talk about the latest DCEU installment, Black Adam, is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Hello, hello, hello. It has been a while since we talked superhero flicks, and we figured this was a good movie to jump back into. Did it do justice to our society of moviegoers? Okay, that was a terrible plan, I know, but I want No, to I like it. it. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> on board with that plan. I think okay. it is pretty darn great. <laughs> good. I'm glad you like that. I wrote that in. I'm like, I'm, maybe I'm getting better at my writing. We'll see. Anyway, well, let's find out, shall we? This is your official spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about this movie in full detail. And uh, with that, here we go. First up, Aaron, I know for you and I, as we were kind of planning out the rest of the year, this movie was coming up. It was, quote, a big one for the theaters. It's actually the first time we've gotten back to the theater since we went through our whole Grishamverse, and then we kind of topped it off with Marcel, the show with shoes on, which was adorably wonderful. Love that conversation. Um, but we're now back in the theater, and I think we'll probably stay here for a little bit if we can, because there are several movies coming out for Oscar season. and. The holidays, we didn't really have, or at least I know offline we've talked, we didn't really have many expectations going into it. It wasn't a surprise movie. It wasn't something that we were like highly anticipating, but it wasn't something that we were like, oh, really? So I, I wanted to kind of get your take on um, you know, how you felt leaving the, the theater watching this movie. Well, I had a blast and I thought that it was an exact experience in, re- in relation to my imagination of what it would be like. And I basically what I'm saying is, so we talk a lot about expectations and their effects on us. And this played out just like I thought it might. Because what I have found now over the years is that whether it is films or even video games, I'm having this exact same thing happen to me with a coincidentally DC related property video game right now that has just gotten completely slayed in reviews this week. It's got fours and fives and people are saying, Oh, it's one of the worst games ever made. I finally decided I'm going to go and take a chance on it anyway, you know, and I'm having a blast with it. I can see its faults, but it has not impacted my enjoyment of it. And it's the same thing with black Adam. And it's the same thing. I see this over and over with movies that I don't have high expectations for because I no longer am holding them to a standard of just extreme greatness. I'm kind of understanding that movies are, it's okay if movies are average. It's okay if movies are just entertaining and are not perfect. And I'm such a like anti extreme person these days that I think that the world tries to put its entertainment into buckets and it's either the best thing I've ever seen in my life or it's trash and so many people have a problem accepting that there's this vast gigantic middle ground where 99% of things actually fall and being okay with that and so for me man the energy of this the effects, the action on screen, some of the characters and the relationships, you know, I had so much fun. There were people in my theater, even at the advanced screening for press and and some friends and family and stuff that were cheering out loud. And I always enjoy that. I think that enhances the experience quite a bit. And as my son and I were driving home, I always ask him, you know, what do you think about the movie? So the majority of movies, his answer is, I liked it. And that that's as much as he gives me, just like that. That's how he says it. I liked it, which is, it was fine. <laughs> that's his way of saying it was fine. But he when he says, I really liked it, like, that is, to me, that's like his, like, four-star review. <laughs> like, when he says, I really liked it, like, that, he uses the word really. And that kind of is a big signal for me that he had a blast with it, too. And, you know, I 
can sit here and I'm sure it'll, some of it will come up, Patrick. I could pick apart some of the things that, sure, I wish were done better. Some of the things that maybe I thought kind of were a, a little bit shortcuts taken or just a, a lack of quality here and there, but it never once stopped me from fully having fun in the theater. And dadgummit, man, blockbusters, superhero movies, that's why I go to watch these, Patrick, for the most part, is I'm good with the most of them just being fun, and every once in a while I get something that is really deep and meaningful and emotionally powerful or, you know, these these long, like the, like the end of the Marvel first saga. Those movies were something that were built up to, those things work. Something like A Man of Steel that you and I both think has a much deeper resonance to it. I don't need them all to be that. It's okay that they're not all that. And that's why we have ratings of three, four, five star. Like it's okay to just be three stars. And for me, that's where Black Adam falls. Yeah. And I think that when you say things like it's okay to have that, I, I, I agree fundamentally, but I disagree with the sentiment that we have to justify three star reviews. We have to justify just okay movies because the fact is, Movies entertain. You listen to our intro every week, and that's what they do. They entertain us. If they've accomplished that, whether they've left us feeling something like enamored or frustrated or anything like that is a completely different part of the movie-going experience. But were we entertained? Are you not entertained, as Maximus would tell us? And yes, I was. Even with the faults of a movie like this, it wasn't so egregious that I was like, well, this is just a waste of my money. Now, this is somebody who spends the $20 a month on Regal Unlimited. And so in the moment, I'm like, I didn't pay anything for this. I paid 55 cents for a service fee. But in reality, I've been paying for it all year if I never go see another movie. So there's a lot of things that go into how you value a movie. And we have to get over the fact that we don't need five-star movies in fact we shouldn't have all five-star movies because then what would you compare them to then your five-star point your oscar movies now become all three stars and then you have to elevate something else which i sort of in my head laugh whenever you go through this phase of like man i need to reevaluate my fours and fives because i don't know if you know what this means and i think it's fantastic that you do that because you put yourself in your own kind of self-critique of like how am i really evaluating these knowing full well that in a year something's going to hit you so differently and that criteria is going to alter how you view a a movie like this or a movie in general, not this one specifically. So I was the same way. I went in and I think that Black Adam takes advantage of a big movie star like Dwayne Johnson. I think it takes advantage of what we are already familiar with, with the superhero genre. And I think in some ways it goes a little too deep into certain aspects of it, like some of the CG, the writing's a little bit kind of misguided at times. But for the most part, as someone who doesn't really like the epic fantasy, the mythological stuff, this really grabbed me. I actually enjoyed this story and I caught myself thinking, oh my gosh, are we going to do the whole like gods among men? But then I thought, wait a minute, hold on. DC, this is what we are. DC is all about the gods among men. My man, Superman, is the quintessential God among men, so I can't really have an issue with that. Even if I don't really, I mean, I'm looking, and I'm looking, you're doing the thing with the hands, like, whatever. Sorry, you uh, said so- <laughs> Suck it, okay? Just suck it, Aaron. Um, My guy's not I, I a fully, God among men. <laughs> your, your guy is, is a detective among other things, and a, a brood above, among brooders, but anyway. You know, the exception to the rule is always the case. You know, same thing with, uh, was it... Uh, Oh, uh, who is it? Your other Playboy rich guy that you like? Green Arrow. Uh, I have a, Green I have Arrow. A type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a type. Yeah. <laughs> but I fully admit that when I think about Superman, I'm not as into the Kryptonian mythology as someone should be. I mean, I, I love the concept of Superman as he exists on Earth, not as much into where he comes from. But I know it's valuable, and that's why I'm into shows like Superman and Lois because now you've got the best of what I call both worlds. A Kryptonian who's married and has children who's trying to deal with (laughs) living the superheroic life among the normal life or the typical life, which is not at all that way (laughs) between that couple. So when I look at Black Adam, I, I think it's always a win for me when 
a genre that I'm not really into, or at least an approach, a historical, whatever that kind of thing is, wins me over. And this did that. And I think it was because the movie starts out in this ancient world, but then it pushes forward into a modern day setting with the implications and the consequences of what happened throughout the history of this place. And so I really enjoyed the experience of the superhero movie as it lives in this, because this was a movie that I think was a safe bet in saying, ah, I'm familiar with that concept and I'm I'm familiar with that approach and that formula. All that stuff lived in Black Adam and it added a little bit of new freshness or at least a refreshing of some things that I was already used to, which made it a great experience for me. Plus it's in the theater, it's big, my son wants to see it. And so I have to kind of do a, a reevaluate a re-evaluation to see, okay, are there going to be parts that I glossed over that he may be like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was basically on par with what we should expect from superhero movies. This didn't feel like a cheaply made one. Didn't feel like a big bombastic one like we're used to with phase one, because one, it doesn't have history. This is an origin story. It's also had the challenge of introducing us to new characters. And I'll tell you, Before we get into it, I'll just kind of preface it by saying this was a bold approach, the way that they introduced some certain characters. Not sure I love it just yet, but I can't not admire the way that this is done because it's risky. (laughs) And it's one of those things that you just kind of, okay, can they land the plane? They did somewhere, they didn't others, that's okay. Overall, start to finish, this was a movie that I absolutely enjoy it. And we'll probably watch again when it comes to HBO Max, for sure. One of the biggest stars in this is, as I mentioned, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I don't know how he goes, who he goes by now, because I think he's still, he's back under Vince McMahon's thumb. So it's The Rock or anyway, but dude, he is an action star through and through. I think he is quite literally one of the biggest in terms of like stature, but also he has fully embraced that action hero in the last decade which i think is kind of great take him for what you what you want i think we liked him as as hobbs in the fast and furious universe not necessarily in his own hobbs and shaw movie but he's still he's big and he's bold and he's fun and i love the fact that we get this character who is not mouthy like The Rock is. So one of the things that you love about Dwayne Johnson, especially from his days in WWE, is that he is the mouthpiece of sarcasm. He holds a microphone and he has the eyebrow. And I thought it was such a great choice to have him sort of feel like the Terminator in a lot of ways. Like I felt like we were getting a little Terminator 2 throwback where you have this powerful being who is trying to live as a human or trying to live in this normal world, understanding ideas like sarcasm and how to have a catchphrase. And so I I thought, what a cool way to use an actor who is known for his mouth and sort of (laughs) censoring it to a point where he's starting to learn. I thought he's going to be a fun superhero. I think when we get more movies with him, if we get more movies, hopefully the the budget and hopefully the the success of Black Adam will elicit more sequels. I'm ready to see him in a superhero genre beyond just this. Like I I can I can picture him standing alongside Jason Momoa as Aquaman and Henry Cavill as Superman or whoever is in this next movie. He feels like he fits into the movie verse of the DCEU. And I wanted to kind of pitch it over to you. What do you think? Do you feel like this is a great kind of choice for for Warner Brothers with him? Well, I think the backstory matters. Dwayne Johnson, and this has been making the rounds on social media, ha- and I mean, we some of people have known this, you know, he's been very vocal about it over the years, but for those that didn't, he's been wanting to make this character for 15 years now. He pitched it way back when he first started getting into movies and this was pre like fast and furious stardom. So he wasn't a movie star yet. He had no clout. He wasn't able to pull strings and he has talked avidly about how he had been offered multiple superhero roles 
over the course of his career. Makes sense, right? Biggest action star. Of course you want to get him in there. He's a huge moneymaker. But he has held true to always wanting this character for some reason. Like, this is the character that he related to. This is the character that he found to be special. And this is the story he wanted to tell. And I admire the heck out of that. Because as an actor who could have jumped ship, so, you know, and gone to Marvel at any time and been any number of well known superheroes. He chose this character that, let's be honest, very few people knew who the heck this was before this movie. If you are not a avid comic reader of DC over the however many last decades or whatever, this may not be someone you knew much about. And I'm going from my personal experience, people on social media, people, friends and family in my own life, no one really knew who Black Adam was until this happened, which also, by the way makes the origin story a lot more interesting, at least for me, because I didn't know what the heck was going to happen. <laughs> I wasn't just watching the same thing happen over like, Batman's parents get killed for the 15th time. I was watching something genuinely did not know what was going on. And that was cool. But I just love that The Rock was so dedicated to this. And I think he does a good job. I think it's kind of funny that he is. What, what, what kind of background is he? Samoan. Is he? He, he is. I mean, he's Pacific Islander. Yeah. You know, this is a Middle Eastern hero, and he is the only person from this area that is. It's nice that they really got the diversity right and actually depicted it as all of these Middle Eastern actors, except The Rock, which is kind of funny to me that. Yeah. (laughs) uh, But, you know, I mean, he he can pull it off, I guess, close enough. I just found that hilarious. And the fact that the character's name is Black Adam also is pretty funny you know, just from a ethnicity angle. Anyway, I think he plays the character pretty well. I have nothing to base it off of. And so I'm not comparing it to comics. That's the thing. Like I'm not, I've no, I've never seen him in any sort of media before. And so for me, this is my black Adam. As of now, I got what I got and this is how I view it. Unless I see it otherwise shown. And so I think he does a good job here. I think, you know, Dwayne Johnson, you wrote in our notes that he is a larger than life action star. And I think that that kind of can work against him at times here. He's not the best actor. Like he he doesn't have the biggest range. And I think while it is interesting, like you said, to take this loudmouth person that or personality that he's known for being so um, you know, talkative and loud and you kind of quiet him for this role in the beginning and have him learn how to be sarcastic. I, I think he comes off at times in this as a little bit stiff and wooden and I don't always love it. It does result in some cool interactions with other characters though. And so I'm willing to just go with it when he's doing his thing as the rock slash black Adam though, when it's not concerned with talking, (laughs) he's awesome. Like he's fun to watch CGI fly around and throw stuff and say little quippy things like I've got one question. Can you fly? You know, like that's what I'm here for. I I don't need him to sit there and go on a monologue about anti-hero ism or whatever. Like he's not the guy to like get into it in depth because it's just going to, fall apart i just need him to punch things and he showed just enough emotion uh, throughout this in slowly kind of caring about the young boy and the family and all of these people that it, it worked for me so i think it was good i don't think it was like by any means a great superhero performance but it was yeah, serviceable and- it worked Serviceable is a great way to describe it, because I think what we have here is a character that, you're right, we don't know that well. He is what I would call a C-list or a late B-list. I would say the same thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. These are characters and groups of characters that we meet in this movie that we don't really have any kind of point of origin for. There are references to the Suicide Squad with Waller in some ways, and I was like, oh yeah. I remember her. And there are 
I won't call them attempts to connect the DCEU. I think the I think Warner Brothers has abandoned that ship, and I think that's a good idea. And when you can connect some pieces here and there when they're supposed to work, it's great. But what I think I like about Johnson's performance is that sort of Terminator mindset where you have this machine, and I put that in air quotes, this God or this person who doesn't know where he is. Like he has been summoned from his tomb or whatever, and he's like completely out of his element. And he's now being kind of approached by this kid on a skateboard. Like, what are you doing on a skateboard? What is this thing you're riding on? Who's telling them you need to have a catchphrase and you're awesome. I kind of believe that he was a little out of his mind, not crazy, but in a way of like just completely disoriented. Like, what am I doing here? What's going on? What I think that lends itself toward Aaron is that we're not going to get the rock. And that's good. We're going to get the muscles. We're going to get what we expect from a typical page turning superhero story. Some dude that punches a guy in the face and knocks him through buildings. This was probably one of the first movies I've seen in a while where I didn't really want catchphrases. I just wanted to see some dude get punched or lightning shock. I will tell you what what sold me was the first 20 minutes of his presence and tearing arms off and burning people and I'm like, "Whoa, what is happening here? Because this is not what I was expecting was some dude to come in and be like, oh, oh, we're not we're not getting the off screen deaths. We're getting we're getting legit people dying. So it was an, an R movie. And the way they made it, this came out as well before the film released that I want to say he said that it took like 15 trips back to the motion picture ratings board with them making cuts in order to get it down to PG-13. And so they ultimately did that because, of course, hello, we want it to be able to hit all of these different quadrants and we want kids to be able to go and see and enjoy it. But their original vision, I would love to see the cut because it clearly had gone much more serious. And like you're saying and describing the burning and like literal people like just incinerating on screen I mean, it was a big wow, like you said, compared yeah. to all the normal superhero stuff that we see. Yeah, I mean, you can explode somebody because you hide it behind a big fireball of like, oh, yeah, that guy probably died. When you see some dude's face melt off like something from Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, there's there's issues there. And I'm not saying that happened necessarily, but I felt I got some Raiders vibes here. And what that did for me, Aaron, was it kind of elevated this idea of an antihero. So the last big movie that I remember centering around an antihero was Logan in a pure form. We look at a character like Wolverine, and we know he's an antihero. Deadpool's an antihero. But they're played in a comic book way that makes sense, where you're rooting for him because he's ultimately a good guy. Deadpool's ultimate. Well, Deadpool's a mercenary, so we kind of have to excuse him. But the next best comparison is Wolverine. But Wolverine's an X-Man, and yes, he can kind of go unhinged as a character, but Logan, I think, is what elevated that anti-hero of like, do you really want this guy hanging out with you and your kids? Do you really want this guy to be defending a world that you live in? And I think that Black Adam sort of amplifies that. It sort of puts that on full display to ask a legitimate question. Do we need an anti-hero? Does an anti-hero actually need to exist in a world like this. And I think as the movie played out, I thought it was pretty effective in creating the argument that sometimes being a traditional superhero just doesn't work. And this is sort of in contrast to the Justice Society, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But I thought that that was really fresh. This idea of maybe I do believe in a different kind of justice after watching this movie. Maybe I can side with a guy who is historically connected to this place and isn't necessarily doing whatever it takes to defeat, understands. But understands the plight of the people that he is beholden to, whether by accident or design. So I was sympathetic for this world that 
he was in. And I was sympathetic for the argument that this group of, <laughs> I guess you would call it, superhero saviors, white saviors, whatever that kind of <laughs> insinuation of coming in to do the right thing. I don't think that that was necessary. I thought that, that was really one of those things where there's a good argument to be made that maybe you solve your problems in a civil environment as opposed to bringing in, quote, the right people to solve it diplomatically. Maybe you do need to have a local arm that takes the law into their own hands in order to save your people. I think the best quote in the movie, as far as this conversation about the anti-hero goes, is when the mom, and forgive me for not knowing character names, that's part of the movie's like, you know, I'm, that's just an element of this film where I didn't connect enough with those characters to really remember their names. But she says at one point to either Hawkman or Dr. Fate, she's like, listen, you showed up to take him out because you saw him as a threat. We have been oppressed for generations by intergang and other various groups who have come and stolen our resources, enslaved and murdered our people, and you didn't do jack. And I was like, that's your point right there. That is your selling point for the need of an anti-hero. I disagree. I don't think it is a point in need of an anti-hero. I think it is a point against the Justice Society. I think it is a, in this regard, I think it is a point against the people who do have the organized ability to bring justice to the world who do so selectively and right. who turn a blind eye. I, so I think that that is the way I see it versus it being something where we should look at Black Adam as a character and go, oh, no, that's the right way to go. Now, the because the problem with the anti-hero is that he's not always going to get it right. There will be collateral damage, and there is in this. So, yes, he's taking out intergang, but he doesn't have information. He's not necessarily sure why he's doing things or being attacked or killing certain people. And so he could very easily make the wrong decisions because he is kind of ambivalent to who he kills and who he attacks and, and punishes. And so that's where that idea of literally justice, right, comes into play. There has to be an element of thought that goes into that. And, you know, that's where we get kind of by the end of this, I think, is he maybe is coming around to that. And I think it's also telling, you know, the end of the movie where Waller, good Lord. And I don't think you've seen the Suicide Squad yet, have you? Not the new, not the new one. The no. new one. Yeah. So, you know, she's a big part of that, of course. And I wasn't a fan of her implementation in this and being in this. I feel like those are some of the elements of this movie were clearly like leftover from the DCEU and Snyderverse. It feels like this was kind of a hybrid, like they didn't know how to transition out of it. I mean, my goodness, it like literally feels like Zack Snyder shot this movie, but he didn't. Yes. It's weird. Um, I love it, but it's not it was not expected. And her kind of forced entry into this, they're really using her to try and tie things together. I'm not a big fan of how they're doing that. Because when she comes, but when she comes in at the end and she's like, okay, I'm going to let you stay. First of all, <laughs> Amanda Waller's, I don't know, this, the ego on this character, <laughs> I, I just, I'm going to let you, you're going to let him do what? So first of all, it's his homeland. Second of all, you, you, he can crush you like an ant, but for her to be like, I'm going to let you stay and do what you want, but you set one foot out of like this zone and then I'm in control. Like I just, I, on those moments, I then shift to being on Black Adam's side because I'm like, okay, if it means, if being an anti-hero, it's really, it's all about Patrick, who is assigning the, the word? Because the definition to me is different based on whose perspective you're looking at. So from Absolutely. my perspective, as a citizen of this city who you have just liberated, you are my hero. You are not an anti-hero. You are doing what needs to be done to avenge me and save me and 
you're my hero hero. You're not an anti-hero. To someone who fears me from the outside, who doesn't approve of me because I'm not doing it their way, then maybe I'm an anti-hero. And that's a fascinating thing that this movie like really sort of subtly you know, plays with and I think mm-hmm. sets up for some really interesting potential stories going forward because we just didn't have characters like this. And I, I think that's great. Yeah, and I think it's doing on a more individualized level what Suicide Squad's Suicide Squad does conceptually, which is can we bring these quote bad guys or gray guys in to do something that will benefit the society as a whole. I think what what this movie amplifies is what you alluded to or even said on point, this selective justice, this idea that we're going to save, we're going to prevent what we feel like is our message of what is considered right and wrong. And where I think the DCEU is strongest is by creating that sense of gray. And Batman as a character really quantifies that. Joker as a character inside the DCU quantifies that because we create this really kind of uber sympathy for these characters, not based on these superficial, oh yeah, your parents died, we feel sorry for you, but because of the complexity that these directors have had on these characters. And I hope that even if Black Adam isn't a strong entry point into this character, that whoever directs and whoever writes any subsequent sequels that carry out that message of anti-heroics beyond just I'm doing it my way because the justice way is stupid. The complexity of that, I think, has an opportunity to flesh itself out in a way that's very compelling, that's very interesting to say, look, we get our punching the guy in the face moments here, but now can we expand on this character? And I, I think back a little bit to The Rock as a character. He starts out as part of this group called the Nation of Domination, Rocky Maivia, third generation wrestler. And Vince McMahon actually takes his character, who is a face, if you understand wrestling terms, face being the good guy, and turns him heel. And he becomes, because of his mouth and because of these storylines that get sort of intertwined with his character, he literally gets bigger because he's getting stronger and he's more in shape than he was 10 years prior, five years prior. But he's also taken it upon himself to pit himself against other heels or other bad guys. And that makes him what I consider an anti-hero. Because to me, the character of The Rock and the character of Black Adam, the similarities they have beyond the fact that they're the same person, are that the approach they take is very much an appropriate selfishness. That I think that's what makes him compelling and what makes him worth exploring as a character just like the terminator where he has to learn about context he has to learn about consequences he has to learn about the idea of caring for someone else and it's interesting because his origin story was about caring for someone else it was about caring for his son that was one of the coolest sort of plot twists that i didn't see coming was not that he was the son that became the god but that he was the God that was given powers by his son in order to rise and take care of people. And I hope that that sort of gets more fleshed out. I'm not looking for drama. I'm not looking. I mean, I still need my punchers. I still need my superheroes. But I think that Dwayne Johnson as an actor has the capability to not just be a quippy one-liner. Yes, he can do that. And he is so on point as his role as Hobbs in The Fast and the Furious. I don't want that. I don't I also don't want a Shakespearean drama happening with this character either, but I think there's room for him to grow within the confines of his acting capability. Just like with Nicolas Cage, just like with Keanu Reeves, they fit into a certain type of role that allow them to be really, really successful. And I think that Black Adam is an opportunity for Dwayne Johnson to be really successful as a superhero and as a person or a human or a metahuman beyond just a I am Groot, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know, you can get that all day and I'd be fine with it. I'm looking forward to the potential of what he can bring after a story like this. 
Yeah, I am too. I mean, it's an or again, an origin story, right? And that's what we're talking about. We're setting things up for the future. You expect growth. You expect changing characters. They have to start one way in order to get to be another way. Been having this conversation about other shows and stuff a lot lately. Like, oh, a character is very annoying or very frustrating. Well, that's because you're going to see the character change. And you you want to root for that change because things have happened positively. And for, in order to do that, you have to show them being a, a, a piece of crap first, right? Like, you've got to show them have a reason to need to change. And so that's going to happen personality-wise with this character as he starts to integrate with humans and isn't just, like, straight up risen from the dead after, sin- like, not just centuries, millennia, you know? And so, yeah, it's very much that has to be kept in mind. Like, you have to understand that's part of the storytelling. It's not just bad movie making. That is intentional. It's supposed to be like that. Also, when you mentioned the whole fact that he is the dad, I totally fell for this twist. Like, I had no earthly idea. And I loved the way it was shot and how I I remember very distinctly when they showed the young boy in the mines and he found the thing and he runs up the <laughs> Eternium. I swear the names on gemstones and stuff are just <laughs> vibranium, Eternium, unobtainium. I know some of these are like actually real, but it just, they're so funny. Anyway, ridiculum. <laughs> they are ridiculous. Yes. Good job. <laughs> but he runs up there and they're overlooking the city. And it's when the dad tells the son, you know, uh, something about, saving the people or whatever and and there's a silhouetted look of who that person is and it very much to me it was very clear that that was Dwayne Johnson but really skinny Dwayne Johnson and so when he then reveals himself to be the son who was running up with the Eternium and that's who he thinks he is or that's who this the backstory that we watch makes us think he is to me, it made perfect sense because it was like, okay, well, obviously, if somebody who looks like Dwayne Johnson is your dad, then you're going to grow up and it makes sense that you would look similar to him. And so I bought it hook, line and sinker. And I got actually had a little bit of an emotional moment when that occurred. And that's one of the the few areas that I, I kind of I got a little bit of feels. And I thought that that was really well done as far as the execution of have having that reveal for the audience and when it and how it impacted the character obviously as part of the story that's important too but i just think it was executed well yeah and i think that that surprise made sense to to me and it added a little bit more substance to agency for why teth adam i kept wanting to call him tenth adam or seth adam i'm like adam seth what's going on here <laughs> so it wasn't until i got to imdb i was like oh it's teth not Seth or 10th or something. I'm glad that they moved to Black Adam, as the title card says at the end. So very cool. The Justice Society was one of the bigger surprises of this movie, having really no um, connection to the DCEU up to this point. I also, not having seen really many of the trailers, I didn't see any characters that I recognized. I, I, I didn't even know Hawkman was in this. That's what's funny, is I had no idea that the Justice Society was going to make an appearance. And I thought halfway through this, I was like, is this really a Justice Society story? Because this feels like the Justice Society. In fact, near the end of the third act, or I guess right before the big kind of amp up where we get the underground, the underworld god that comes to life, I thought, okay, we're we're wrapping things up. And I thought this was definitely not a Black Adam origin story because <laughs> he's now in a prison and they're like, okay, we're going to wash our hands of it. But I really latched on to this concept of abrupt entrance stories here. I don't know what you would call it. And this is this this happens really. This has happened in the DCEU, where we get with Batman v Superman, we get an established Batman already. And I think that there's something to be said of value about just bringing these characters in, having them say certain things that indicate. They have a past. It gives the opportunity for them to create. If there is popularity with these characters, let's create a spinoff that kind of shows where they come from. And I'm speaking specifically about Adam Smasher and Cyclone. Wasn't really attached to Dr. Fate. I thought that obviously when it comes to properties, you're going to make comparisons. This happens in comic books 
And I obviously saw Doctor Strange and Doctor Fate sort of intertwined because you could have these seeing the futures and stuff like that. Hawkman, again, I know these characters existed. He he seems a little the the costume just kind of seems hokey, like the whole <laughs> the the thing. I, I was thinking nineteen eighties Flash Gordon and characters from there. And I'm like, it's fine, but in twenty twenty two looks a little weird. I like Doctor Fate's outfit. I love the the gold shield and I thought that Adam Smasher, who of course you're thinking about Ant Man because he's making himself big and you know, big, but of course that's a different kind of power. And so you can't help but just make comparisons or at least make kind of cross associations. I didn't have a problem with that. What I thought was really cool was that we got these little pockets of, hey, I would like to know more about Cyclone and about Adam Smasher. And I'm hoping that we get more of that. I don't think they were fleshed out enough script wise. I mean, there were fun moments where we have very teenage teenager like characters which i think is good and some immaturity there there was a line i think that was repeated a couple of times between adam smasher and hawk uh, hawkman where he messes something up and he's like you and me we're gonna we're gonna talk didn't think those lines landed very well but i like the sentiment of this idea that you've got these young kids that have some kind of powers that they've inherited and we don't know a lot my wife and i are watching melrose place right now and I have no apologies about that because it's a lot of fun nighttime trashy drama. We just finished up 90210 a few months ago. So why not just stick with Darren Starr and company? And I think what's interesting is that this idea of creating characters and creating relatives of characters is such a – it opens up this idea of, you know what? We can introduce you to someone and then because we don't know anything else about them, we can now add another character from their past. I was thinking about Creed 3 as well. This idea of Adonis having a childhood friend that now becomes the crux of a third movie that feels really amazing and doesn't feel like it has to tie into the Rocky verse in any way, shape, or form, even though it sort of does because it's all part of this. I love the execution of ideas like that. And I think my point being that I think this Justice Society insertion creates an opportunity for the DC writers and producers to test the waters and say, hey, who do people latch on to? Do they like Cyclone? Do they like Adam Smasher? Okay, cool. Maybe we can get an origin story out of this and then tie him into other movies. I personally liked all of the characters for the most part. I think that as a subset of Justice, where you have the Justice League and now you have the Justice Society, which is kind of part of the golden age of comics, I thought they worked pretty well. And I'd like to see more stories with that trio, maybe adding some more other characters to their repertoire, go through and, and do some more movies. Yeah, that's another element that is tied to this just chaotic development cycle for this movie. And basically for not, I don't want to say like it was like chaotic in the sense that there were problems with this movie's production directly, but all of the issues within the WB studios and the handling of the DCEU. And every just it has been such a mess. And I feel like this is yet another example of something that speaks to the lack of really strong, cohesive vision for a world being put together. Because in a nutshell, like the introduction of the Justice Society would be fine. But if we compare this to like what Marvel's doing we would already know that we have like this planned out scenario of you're going to get X, Y, Z kind of following on after this. And so there's a very specific plan. Unfortunately, going into this, we don't know that from this movie. It's so it feels kind of like it's just forcibly thrown in. That being said, have not knowing like you that, it was the Justice Society that was going to specifically be name-dropped and play a role in this. I loved the way it worked as kind of the the yin to the yang for the anti-hero and this group that is strictly following orders and Hawkman, who is the leader, he is a lesser-known um, Justice League member at times, and so I think it was cool. Aldous Hodge is a fantastic actor who we both love, and so I thought he did a great job as Hawkman. 
uh, which like you said is is it's a hokey role to take on <laughs> just because you look really dumb most of the time and i think that it looks they good managed... with the wings but the but the mask yeah you look do yeah you look good in action when you're like flying around and stuff but when he's just wearing the mask and like going head to head and having a very stern conversation he looks <laughs> stupid and I, there's no way you would take him seriously but i think that they did a fine enough job of it i mean he does as as well as he can i i liked having them in there and like you were saying man i liked the mixture here pierce brosnan like you can't go wrong made yeah. for a great doctor fate unfortunate what goes down with him because i would love to see him come back of course this is comic books there's no reason he couldn't come back in some capacity but dr fate is a super cool character Uh, if you've watched any of the animated universe stuff you get to see him quite a few times and i thought you know visually speaking the way that they depicted his powers dude i was all for here for that like it looked awesome all the refraction and like you know prism like prisons and multiple projections of himself like attacking all at once i just it's it it really worked for me and the other two yeah zero (laughs) familiarity with them like i've heard of adam smasher only because i think he was in one of the video games that i played once upon a time he was in injustice 2 and so i vaguely knew like that he i knew the name adam smasher but i didn't know what he did he's basically like the giant man version of ant-man when he goes giant mm-hmm. man but but i liked like noah centineo in that kind of doofus teenager like you said first mission kind of just here to have fun <laughs> not really know what i'm doing and i i absolutely yeah. adored cyclone both as a potential character going forward uh both as a crush <laughs> i think she's a, a beautiful actress um, but also just from a power standpoint, a character I never heard of. And for me, it was probably the best use of slow motion in the movie because she is a cyclone going super fast. But when they would slow down her power as she was moving and it was just this like it looked like a glamour shot. You remember glamour shots? It from did, the mall? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> green and purple smoke ribbons around her as she's twirling at things. And I was like that was just spectacular looking to me. And you know, she was, she's your smart character. She's got a little bit of a wit to her, but she's not mean or rude about it. And I just really liked overall the entire cast chemistry of the justice society, which was shocking. Like I, not something I thought I was going to get out of this. And I think that that's what probably helped save the movie for me in a lot of ways, because their chemistry together was so good that when we're not getting a lot of talk from Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam, because it's all smash, smashy, smash, you know, incineration, throwing, blowing up and all this other stuff. Right. Like that serviced as your fun character dialogue that you could enjoy. And and I liked it, man. I, I, w- I would love to see more of all of those characters. Yeah. I like Noah Centineo as an actor. Um, I've loved him since Sierra Burgess is a loser. And uh, several other things. I think he was in one of the uh, the perfect date. It was a great, like it's, it's a great movie. And then I think uh, my wife and I watched. She was she got me watching to all the boys. I've loved. He's in that series. Of, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because his introduction. He's apparently the nephew of the Fonz. I didn't see the Henry Winkler. That was odd. And that was I hilarious. <laughs> I it, loved it. It was, I thought it was but I'm, it was dumb, but it was funny seeing his face. Yeah, it's like don't mess up the suit. But the way he looks, I almost wish Mark Ruffalo wasn't in the MCU because he looks like a spitting image of what would be Mark Ruffalo's kid. And I, I would love to have seen that. Like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Adam Smasher. Yeah, and no kidding. Hulk. You know, if you crossed over, like this weird kind of crossover comic book story where, oh yeah, you've got atoms that make you big and bulky. I've got a different kind of set of atoms being, you know, hereditarily related to you anyway. But I love him. And I think that that goofy teenager is one that he plays really well in terms of not being an idiot. I mean, he's very much capable and he knows how to grow himself, but he's clumsy and he's still learning his power. And I think when you offset that with Cyclone, who is more than capable, but still young and plays that crush, you set up so many great possibilities for them to be a duo, you know, to potentially, if if there's a, 
a side mission or a subplot that would involve them in a future Justice Society movie, I could totally be on board with that. And when you put that underneath these other two characters in the form of Hawkman and Dr. Fate, these mature adults, these father figures, not father figures, but these kind of supervising adults, it really does create a fantastic balance because it, it's not like, you know, a kid driven league here, but it's not all adults either. It It's a great mixture. And so the fumbling around and even coming down to Dr. Fate making the choice to sacrifice himself, I felt a little bit of the weight of that. I felt like the sacrifice was was there. I mean, we talked endlessly about the issues with the early MCU movies. We didn't, there were never any stakes attached to it. It wasn't until we get to, uh, we get to infinity war that they were actually paid off in a, in a major way. This I felt had truncated stakes that we could believe in. And that's something I think as a whole, I wanted to comment on is the fact that black Adam feels like a truncated version of what would be a really good DC movie. And I think that's why we like it is that it hits not maybe deep enough that we'd want to, but in an abbreviated capacity, all the things that we like about our superhero movies that you and I do specifically, not just the world at large, we find that here. We have stakes, we have comedy, we have action, we have probably better CG than we've had in the past. I mean, again, you speak to Dr. Fates, that's probably my favorite CG element of the entire movie. I don't know that stuff was necessarily like glaring. I'm not the guy that you're going to talk to that says, did you see anything wrong with the CG? I'm going to think every CG, you know, every part of CG is great. I thought, you know, if you listen back to our Zach Whedon Justice League, I'd be like, I didn't see any problem. Where the, what about the missing? Right? Zach yeah, Whedon was... Justice League? Sorry, Zach Whedon. <laughs> Josh Whedon. Yeah, Josh? <laughs> that's what it is. It's a match. Josh Whedon, Zack Snyder, whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's one of the things I enjoyed about Black Adam is that it wasn't trying to reach as a movie. It was trying to be exactly what it was. And I think it succeeded for the most part at all that stuff. And, you know, we get to the end. And before before we talk about I want to talk about the mid-credit stinger, obviously, but you mentioned the the slow-mo and the whole Zack Snyder-esque approach. Man, there was a lot of slow-mo. And I jokingly said, this movie could have probably been an hour and 15 minutes if the slow-mo hadn't been in there because everything just felt so strung along. And I wondered... I wanted to ask you specifically, do you feel like the approach here from the director who is behind one of our favorite movies, The Shallows and a couple others, do you feel like he was trying to kind of capture that Zack Snyder feel in this, that sort of epic comic book type HDR feel for a movie like this in order to kind of synthesize it with other movies? Or do you just think he fell in love with slow-mo specifically? No, I, I 100% think that this is intended to be a feeling like it's part of the DCEU. Whether that exists anymore or not, I don't even know. Things are so wacky and multiple Batman and just crazy convoluted at this point, what DC is doing. But I think it's intentionally filmed in a way to look like it fits perfectly within the movies that Zack Snyder made. And I felt like it did. And, you know, Dwayne Johnson is a big fan of Zack Snyder's films and that work. And so it just made sense to me. He's been trying to get this made. I'm sure he probably wanted it to be out earlier. You know, his big whole thing was everything about what the mid credit stinger is like. That's part of what he's been driving to for so long. So I think he wanted it to match up with that. It does suffer. And I wanted to real point, quick point out, too, that I agree with you on the CGI. I've seen some people criticize it and be like, oh, my God, this is the worst CGI. I just don't understand. I don't I legitimately don't get it. I watched it. My son watched it. We thought it looked cool. Like I had fun. I don't I don't I did not notice. And, and I have, you know, seen movies where I've noticed somewhat janky CGI at times. But usually it's, you know, a scene here, a scene there. This idea that a movie's whole CGI is absolutely terrible, I think is a way overblown criticism and a, and a crux or crutch crutch that people use as a way of kind of not actually addressing the fact that maybe it's not as bad as they, they want it to be, or they think it they're trying to sell you on because it's not bad CGI. It's pretty darn good at times. It's bright it's loud and energetic. I love the rock soundtrack from moment one in this movie. There is an energy and it just does not stop hardly at all. And you just, you're just, 
it's like you're drinking one of the rocks energy drinks, Zoa energy drinks, you know, right before <laughs> yeah. you going for a ride with him. It yeah. does suffer from the problem of the villain. It felt so much like Wonder Woman to me. Great movie. Kind of a little bit let down by a very thir- small third act climax where all of a sudden a character who's been in the movie as another character, as a human, suddenly becomes a god and it just turns into this big kind of icky like just a big fight with this cool looking cgi thing that you have no attachment or relation to that's the problem that i saw here is we're fighting this villain just like aries and wonder woman who we don't care we haven't known aries we haven't known whatever this devil character he becomes and so it just doesn't really have any sort of it just looks cool at that point there's no care about it as a villain the villain as a character it's just yeah, it's a, a thing it's a to mechanism. get punched yeah yeah and so mechanism. to me it looked really awesome like from the the fire spitting and like he looked to me like he came from hell like it was effective like <laughs> i mean that's the kind of powers he had but it just kind of doesn't have it doesn't end the movie with the emotional weight that a lot of films do if you're fighting a villain that you have also come to have some sort of connection to and that's one of the the small problems it does or thing places that it suffers but sure. uh, but it looks good that's that's actually I, that's one of the that's the alt that's kind of the the balancing strength of that whole sequence to me is that it looked awesome yeah looked like it was jumping off of a page of a comic book which i think is what makes snyder's stuff appealing albeit sometimes a little egregious in terms of its like extendedness and not everything needs to be slow-mo just like michael bay not everything needs to be epic <laughs> just anyway so finally we get to that mid-credit stinger which um you know I-, I was obviously excited about it's great to see henry cavill back in the superman suit if this is a promise to be fulfilled then i'm absolutely happy i i love the the idea of cavill just coming back as superman because i've missed him i think that he got his proper exit in terms of his trilogy between Man of Steel, BVS, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I was satisfied with that, but I've always wanted a follow-up. I've always wanted a, let's get another adventure with the Man of Steel. And and I, I, I look on social media and I, see, I guess there's this like viral video go, going around of somebody videotaping a dude standing up when the stinger happens and screaming. And I'm conflicted because I feel exactly how that guy does. And yet at the same time, I'm like, Dude, you're disrupting, even though it's a credit, so I guess you're not. But the guy in front of you, why are you filming him? What is going on here? You're completely missing the whole ethical boundary. You're you're crossing that ethical boundary of what's happening in a movie theater. Leave it be. But I can't disagree with the sentiment. And I think that in some ways, you mentioned to me, you mentioned this to me offline, that in some ways the rock is kind of like Tom Cruise in terms of being an advocate for things and wanting things to get done. And while Tom Cruise is probably the quintessential action star, I think there's some real similarities in the way that the rock is saying, I want this to happen. And now there's an opportunity for it to happen. And I thought that's great if it does. So all the stuff that I was reading about, I was like, cool, that's a great wish list item. And maybe we will. When you throw that mid credit stinger in there, with some legit value. He's not just like, hey, look at me. I'm looking great in a slightly brighter Superman suit. He is actually saying, okay, here's something. As much as we don't really care for for Waller, this is her kind of power punch to, to Black Adam. Thought it made a lot of sense. And I think it could create such an expansion of what we talked about earlier with regard to motives and values. Taking the the guy who really stands for everything pure and all about justice with the person who's like, listen, I need to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Would love to see that play out in a follow-up to Black Adam. So wondering if you feel the same way. I mean, yes, absolutely. I think it's a pretty flat mid-credits scene, and I don't understand why they fumbled this. I think, I mean, it succeeds because of what it is. You could have just had him walk out and not say a word, and it probably might even be better yep. Yep. Um, than the dialogue that they had actually go back and forth because it was just kind of dumb. The one at the end of Morbius is even more. I've heard a lot of people compare it to that. That one is even more out of left field. Like this, at least, kind of fans knew was coming. The one in Morbius is like really just 
completely handled like it, it is a mess it is all, complete whack um and and this is nowhere near that bad so for those that think that i just you need to rewatch them both and and be honest with yourself because it's just not the same thing but yeah i mean even if we knew he was coming i think or expected that he was coming it's exciting when you're a fan of a character to see him step back out in that role whether it's for 2 seconds or not now they need to pay it off. They have said that they have a 10-year plan. <laughs> Finally. I I don't know what that means. Personally, I think they need to... I'm sorry, Patrick. I'm very sorry that I'm going to say this. I think they need to scrap the Flash movie completely. Not just recast it and fix I, it. I, I think they need I to agree. scrap the whole idea of the we're going to reset our universe. They need to just start moving forward, building off of what exists now in some way. Figure that out. Tie them together. I don't know what you want to do. Tell two separate universes. I don't care. Keep your the Batman separate from the one with Affleck. I don't even care how you do it. Don't worry about explaining it to us in a movie that's going to just be middling. Just don't do that movie. And let's just start having more connection from here forward. That would be my personal advice to them. And I hope that this pans out. I've read a lot that makes me nervous, which is like Cavill's schedule being very, very packed and you know, potentially not four years until he could make a movie. I think if it's going to be four to five years before they can put Cavill on screen with Black Adam, then it was a bad move to put him in the post credit scene. Honestly, yeah. I'm going to be very disappointed as a fan if that's what happens. I think if they put him in there and it's because they know that in two to three years, they can get him on screen in a legitimate performance as Superman, and whether it's in Black Adam 2 or some sort of Justice Society movie or something, then, yeah, let's rock. Let's go. Um, I think it is a, a fantastic thing. I think you need Black Adam to also go through some more character development before he goes up with Superman. Because right now... From a power standpoint, that's going to be fun to watch. But the post credit scene showed you from a dialogue standpoint. To me, that's where like you and I absolutely love BVS. When Superman and Batman talk, you can hear a pin drop. Like It is so powerful because you have these alphas and just the way they can carry themselves and, and have a conversation is so good. And you have really great actors not just action stars. Right. If, if we're going to try to put Black Adam as Dwayne Johnson up against Henry Cavill in a, any kind of talking thing, like I think we need way more Black Adam like change before we get there. But, you know, I'm probably getting way ahead of myself. Short answer is please, please bring it on. Yeah. And I, I echo all that stuff, including The Flash. As much as I want that movie to happen, there's been so much drama around it that I want the best of what the DC storytelling can bring for The Flash. I thought Zack Snyder's Justice League helped kind of set the tone, but if Ezra Miller's not the way to go, we've got a multiverse that we can explore, and or we can kill him off. In fact, we can bring in a, a you know, we can take get get rid of Barry Allen, and we can bring in someone else or a different Barry Allen together. I want the right kind of Flash movie, and I want the right kind of Superman sequel. This is this is interesting. I felt two things in that moment. One, I felt like Black Adam, with what it's getting critic-wise as far as reviews, this scene was potentially put in to get people into the theater just to see that mid-credits scene. Almost like when... Star Wars Episode One, the trailer debuted. I think it was right before Meet Joe Black. People would go into the theaters to watch the trailer for that movie, and they would leave because they wanted to see the trailer. And in some ways, I feel like if this doesn't get paid off in the next two or three years in a legitimate way, I'm going to feel cheated, not because I don't get my Superman, but because the producers didn't feel enough confidence in the movie that they made that they had to bring in a cameo of a guy that most if not a, i mean a, a good majority of people want to see back in that suit 
I am hesitant and apprehensive about getting too excited because of what you mentioned that you can only get somebody on screen who has the availability, which is why when you have to reshoot scenes for Justice League that was already kind of a mess on the editing room floor, you're at the mercy of another property that's got your actor. So I'm hoping for the best. I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. And so much like Black Adam, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised at what comes out. I'm not holding my breath anymore for a flash. And so if there's one that comes out in 2023 out of left field, I'll be excited. And I might get disappointed because it might have been just thrown together, but that's okay. And I'm I'm good with that. I, that's kind of my overall expectation with the DCEU is that I'm excited about what I don't know is coming. I'm excited about the potential for things that will show up in the theaters. And I think that's what Black Adam did for me is I was so glad to go see it because I didn't know what I was getting. And if I didn't get something that I loved, it wouldn't have mattered because I wasn't going into it hoping that I'd get something I loved. I feel that way kind of about DC. And I think that's kind of allowing them as a production company, as a property to just have some more fun with these characters. So give me my second Aquaman, throw another Wonder Woman. That's fine. And you know, just give me more. I actually, the old, the original Suicide Squad was on television. There was part of me that kind of wanted to revisit it because it had been a while. I quickly lost that thought because I ate dinner and was full and Apparently, it was just a, a thought of, hey, I'm hungry and I'm distracted. But the fact is, it might be worth going back and, and watching some of these older ones, especially just to see kind of what the vision was for some of these directors. But yeah, for me, Black Adam, I think, is a quintessential kind of microcosm of how I expect my DC movies to be going forward, which is expect what you get and get what you expect. And that's all good with me. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Feel and Film. Thank you, everyone for listening, tuning in, and joining this conversation. Aaron, I guess we'll figure out what's coming in the next week. And then like the DCEU, you will be surprised at what comes your way in a week. And that makes me excited just as much as the surprise DC movies that come out. So thank you for this great conversation. And we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.